the following program is brought to you by fan bags visit chicago's official supplier of professional cornhole boards and bags at www.fanbagscornhole.com choose from any of their officially licensed designs or have my boy brian design a custom set using anything from a selfie to your company's logo once again, visit www.fanbagscornhole.com and use the promo code BRAGS to get 10% off your entire order. That's www.fanbagscornhole.com and use the promo code BRAGS for 10% off. Step up your game with Fanbags Cornhole. Welcome back to Boilers in the Sands post-game show. <clears throat> I am your host, Greg Braggs Jr. Alongside me, as always, is... Joe Jackson and Craig Bowers here after another heart ripping out the stomach kind of game in Piscataway. Like it's just never a dull no moment in New Jersey when they take on Rutgers. Uh, they always make it difficult early in the game. You think, well, you know, their roster isn't as good as in years past. Purdue should be able to make easy work of these guys. And once again, uh, Rutgers make it difficult on them on the road. Not an easy environment for Purdue to uh, play in or any Big Ten team. There, there are no easy games on the road in the Big Ten. And uh, you know, I as I said last game when they beat Michigan the way they did, you don't really take those kind of games for granted because they're few and far between. What we saw here today is more par for the course when you talk about uh, Big Ten life, especially on the road. But at the end of the day, the Boilers prevail. Uh, you know, like I said, I think you know, I think it's obvious they're three point shooting in the second half is a big reason why Rutgers were able to climb back in it. Uh, but I certainly want to get your guys' instant reactions to this. So, Craig, I'll start with you. You know, why was this a more difficult game than it felt like it should be once we reached halftime? I, well, first of all, let, let's just be happy we finally got a win in Piscataway. It, it's, been <laughs> yeah. since, it's been since 2017-18 season. So, like, the – it, and I, I fell into the trap. I thought this was going to be a 15 to 20 point win. Um, I said 20 a couple days ago. I dialed that down to 15 today. Uh, and it wasn't. And I should have known better. Um, we never play great there. There's certain teams and certain coaches that, that just seem to, to have your number a little bit and trying to figure out how to play you specifically. And even when it's not been at Rutgers, Rutgers has given us a ton of trouble. So you know, I think first and foremost, we, we just have to recognize that even an eight point win at Rutgers that was close, you know, in the last few minutes is still a really good win. Um, and, and quite frankly, I'd like this game because Purdue's only seen true adversity down the stretch of games a, a few different times. And it was nice, especially with a team that's uh, applying really intense defensive pressure. So it was nice for me uh, to see them actually handle that and, and pull out a win. In terms of why it was close, now let's get to that. Um, you know, Joe and I do those keys to the game threads now be before every game. And in the last few games when we've won, we've been like, check, 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 check. We didn't meet any of those today. Um, it, it basically turned into Zach, and then Braden was the only other one that stepped up. But we didn't out-rebound him. Rutgers is not a great rebounding team. Uh, we end up losing the rebounding battle 36-32. to 32. We said we needed to shoot at 35% or somewhere in that range from three. We shoot 26% from three. So those two things alone uh, right there uh, makes this game a lot closer than it should have been. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, I'll just kick it around to you. Your instant reaction here to today's win. Yeah, this was, I honestly think, um, and maybe this is a little bit unfair to Rutgers, but because uh, Rutgers did come out in the second half and had better energy. I think Purdue kind of just saw the first half that they had and they just kind of slept walk for a large chunk of that second half, um, knowing that they're the by far the better team, the more talented team. Um, and it just kind of caught up to them, right? When you couple that with Rutgers now being able to hit some jumpers and they got some stuff going, makes it a lot closer game. Um, but one that, you know, Rutgers is not a good team, but at the same time, Purdue was able to handle it in one of the tougher road environments that they'll play all year. They never give up the lead in the second half um, and they are able to hang on, right? That's, there's definitely a lot of negatives to talk about and we will hit on those, but um, just keeping it on the positive side is this is a team that even when you had, I mean, this was Edie and Smith going off. We've talked about how there can be any different number of guys that go off um, uh, for the rest of the game. Like outside of Edie and Smith, you probably maybe say Jones had a, had a solid game, even though he shot terribly. 
Um, outside of that, I don't know if you would go up and say anybody had a had a good game, and it didn't matter because Edie was dominant. Smith was back to his normal self, and sometimes that's just going to be enough, even in this tough environment when they did start losing the lead, um, able to hold on, able to still just get enough out of their team to advance. And when we talk about March, like you just you got to figure out a way to do that at times. And say although it wasn't March, they figured out a way to do that. And you're muted. That's five dollars. $5 into the um, Big Ten tournament dinner jar that we'll have here later uh, this year. Uh, maybe we'll go to St. Elmo's. But, yeah, no, it to me, it, it was kind of reminiscent of some of those early games, maybe even like the Maui games or something, you know, where early on they had games where they weren't the prettiest. There, It was a little bit of a rock fight. But at the end of the day, Purdue prevailed at the end, you know, and, and I think, Purdue has proven here time and again that it's going to take a it's going to take quite a lot for you to beat them. You guys have highlighted it a few times. You really got to pitch a perfect game to beat Purdue. You've got to shoot really well from three. You've got to force a ton of turnovers on Purdue, and you've got to hope Purdue has as cold of a, a day or night as they possibly can. And if you don't have one of those three factors in there. It just makes it that much harder to beat Purdue. Yeah, you got you got to be perfect for near forty. They were not good for Rutgers was not good for twenty minutes, um, and that's you know that's a the reason why they probably ended up losing this game. If they had played like that second half for even thirty minutes of this game, it's very much could have been a different different result. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I I think you touched on this a minute, Joe. I was kind of trying to read through some stats as you were giving your point. So just in case you didn't, obviously the turnovers, 15 turnovers. Um, and I think Rutgers takes, yeah, Rutgers has 19 more shot attempts. So that's yeah. between the rebounds and the turnovers. You're, you're not going to see very many games at all. Some of that is we drew more fouls too, right? But yeah, you're not going to see many games that you win when the other team shoots 19 more times than you. Well, they don't. And as some, as Brad Prather points out in the chat, Purdue shoots five of 19 from three. But at the end of the game, the biggest moment of the game is Fletcher Lawyer missing a three and getting fouled and getting sent to the line. They're and only up three and making all three. They're up three at that point. Only what, two or three minutes to play. He knocks down all three, pushes it to six. Uh, you know, and, and then I think the other big moment of this game. Maybe we need to start doing this, like maybe like moment of the game. Um, that might be a segment we could start considering as I, you know, produce, you know, backside produce the show live on the air. But to me, the other big moment of this game was when Lance Jones missed a three and I thought it was a bad so shot selection. He was open for a minute. He pump fakes, waits for the defender to get oh, in his face. Yeah. He puts up a three and misses it. I'm yelling, don't wait for the defender to reset to shoot it. Just shoot it. Well, two seconds, as I'm yelling that he steals the ball and gets a layup, you know? So he made up immediately in that moment. Uh, and, and like, man, we just continue to sing the praise. It wasn't his stat line. Just insane to look at yeah. at the end of the game when he was at the free throw line, three points, 10 rebounds, nine assists. Like, you know, it, it's just such a weird wonky um, stat line that you're just not used to seeing. But that particular moment, the Fletcher lawyer moment that honestly saved them here today. Yeah, no, it was it was one of those that if it's not a foul or even if he makes two of the free throws or something like that, um, you go down the other way. Rutgers gets a bucket, and it's it's very very much could be different. Um, just you know, obviously this was a really bad game for Purdue. I would say in general, or a pretty bad game for the most part. And at the end of the day, they still won, which is good. Lots of things to improve on, which isn't the worst thing to happen in January. I know. We've talked about, hey, have you know, do they last year they peaked in November or January or whatever? Like, there are still very much things that can be improved, which I think is a good sign for this team. Obviously, that has to come to fruition, right? You can't just be like, oh, they can still improve and be better. It's got to happen. Um, just yeah, I'm, I'm just just happy Purdue honestly got out of there because the the schedule, some of the games toughen up, but the travel eases up a lot for Purdue, I believe. Uh, four. There's only four road games left. Yeah, six of the final ten are road, and the four road are no, 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 no. Six of the final ten. Six are of the home. final ten are home. Sorry, and the four road are uh, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Michigan, and Illinois. So two of those games, obviously, very tough environment, like environments in that. But um, I don't know if it's as big of a deal with college, maybe compared to like pros 
but they don't have these Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska, like all those trips are out of the way, those super long ones. Um, I don't know how I got there, but we did. So um, <laughs> do we want to jump to some of like the stats and that of the game? Yeah, I'm happy to. I'll just preface. Uh, I'll run through some of the team stats of the game. I, I'm going to throw in a little bit of a, uh, uh, NFL playoffs party. I got about 20 people on the other side of this door. So I wanted to come on. It was certainly I, I didn't expect it to be as entertaining of a second half as it was. Uh, so I just figured it was going to be like, uh, you know, hey, let's get through, you know, Purdue with another beatdown of a a team that's just not as good as they normally are here in the Big Ten. And sure enough, it's never a dull moment in the Big Ten. So I'm going to hang out here a little longer here with team stats of the game, and then I'll let you guys here take it the rest of the way. I, You know how much I appreciate, you know, what you guys do here. Uh, so I apologize, but just doing a bit of a juggling act. So just giving everybody a little bit of a breakdown of how things are going to go here going forward. But uh, here are the team stats of the day. Purdue shoots another red hot on the road, 49% from the field, 22 of 45. Didn't feel like that when you consider the three-point shooting, but 49% from the field, 22 of 45 once again, 38% from the field for Rutgers, 24 of 64. So I think Joe mentioned it. I mean, they get um, they get 20 more shots up, essentially 19 more shots up than Purdue. Uh 26% from the three-point line, five of 19 for Purdue, but Rutgers matches that with 25% from the three-point line, four of 16 from the stripe there. Uh, 76% from the free-throw line, 19 of 25 for Purdue, 62% for Rutgers, eight of 13 for the line. So uh, Purdue shoots 12 more free-throws and makes 11 more on the day. 15 turnovers for Purdue, certainly above what their number uh, where they'd like it to be 10, only 10 turnovers for Rutgers, uh, 17 points off of those turnovers for Rutgers, 10 for Purdue total rebounds, Rutgers out rebound, Purdue 36 to 32, uh, 20, 21 to 26 on the, on the defensive glass Rutgers, but offensively Rutgers have 15 offensive rebounds to produce six. That's a pretty stunning stat line there. 15 second chance points for Rutgers, only two for Purdue. Another um, um, eye-opening stat there. 30 points in the paint for Purdue, 18 for Rutgers. Nine fast break points for Purdue, uh, eight for Rutgers. Six blocks, eight steals for Purdue. One block, four steals for Rutgers. Both teams had 12 assists apiece. Uh, lead time, Purdue led the game for 38 minutes and 58 seconds. Uh, and Rutgers led for just a short, quick while for 22 seconds of this game. Uh, so, Craig, you know, throw it to you. What stands out to you when you look at those team stats of the game? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've already talked about the kind of the three big ones, just uh, the the rebounding differential that Purdue normally wins, um, the turnover differential. Anytime that thing climbs up more than 10 or 12, uh, you certainly start to worry as a Purdue fan. I really thought uh, maybe let's I'll, I'll focus there for a minute. So a lot of those turnovers were, were dead ball turnovers and, and those don't hurt you as bad. Uh, but certainly that's just possessions that you're not getting in terms of shots, at, uh, shot attempts. And with Zach's ability to offensively rebound, then you're taking away a second chance opportunity as well. Um, so that hurts some. Uh, this was the very first game that I felt like the press actually bothered Purdue in terms of the press turning Purdue over on the in that in that backcourt as they were trying to come up the court. Um, you know, Smith has a bad pass in there. Um, there's another one. I think somebody gets trapped in a corner. I can't remember exactly for sure, but I, I know there was at least three turnovers against the actual press. The one wasn't a turnover. I, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Isaac's already or Isaiah's already weighed in on that on Twitter as well in terms of exactly why that should not have been a turnover. Um, that was where was that? It was it was the was one that, where he was trying to get the ball across half court. I had a I had a comment starred from somebody. Here it is. Um, and our Isaiah's our our go to referee, and uh, we haven't had him on the show yet this year, but he addressed this immediately on Twitter. Uh, that's not an over and back because for it to be an over and back, the ball and both your feet have to be established across the line. Yeah. And Jones never brought the ball over the line. So that shouldn't have been a backcourt by or a over and back violation. But nonetheless, I thought I thought the press bothered Purdue. And, and what Peichel did really well 
uh, was he varied it up. He, he didn't use one type of press look. Um, he threw three different types of, of ways to press out there against it, Purdue, or, th or three different methodologies. And it, you could see Braden and Lance get confused at times a little bit against that. And I just thought Pike did a great job of varying that up. And then once we did break the press, we didn't attack it like we've done in some other games. There were two or three times where Zach had one-on-one -on -one position under the rim and, and just get him the ball right away. Don't let everything set up. Like he's going to score or get fouled in that situation. Just fire it to him. About five or six minutes left in the game. That was there when Braden broke the press. It was just Zach on on Cliff. One, I think mm -hmm. it might have even been Wolfork at the time. And he just pulled it out. Um, and I don't know why you don't just feed it to him there. You're 100% right it, <clears throat> when it comes to how they <clears throat> changed up the press. That's really the first time this year that they've, you know, Purdue fans have, you know, uh, famously always complained how Purdue can't break down the press. And Joe has kind of curtailed that theorem a few times here on our show the past few years about how, while it seems it may be effective to do against Purdue, it, it hasn't always been, but today it certainly seemed like it did. So, you know, it, it's something they're going to have to consider here going forward, but not every team is going to press the same way. So credit to them. You know, it, it you know, I just think that Purdue is handled. They, they have more ball handlers. Lance Jones at one point just said, all right, I'm going to take it across the court. You know, Braden Smith obviously knows what he's doing as well. So they have a few more guys that, um, you know, I think can handle that pressure a little more. Joe, any any secondary thoughts on that? No, I think you I think you guys hit on it. It's just those uh oh, it was just weird. Like a little more hesitant from Purdue. I think like you guys mentioned a couple of weird turn. I think a couple of the turnovers were just really unforced too, right? I think a couple of them was more just mental lapses and not as much per se. Like Rutgers was just an elite press. Obviously they're very, very good defensively. Um, and they did force a couple turnovers that way, but I think a lot, I think there was just, I, I just think it was a game for a little, for a good chunk. Purdue just tried coasting. And then when you try when you go from coasting to being like, Oh, I, we got to like actually kick this in the year. I think it's hard to flip that switch at times. And they got, I really think they just got caught in that for a bit. Um, and then, then, then the game gets close. Then you get these turnovers. Then you get these mental lapses plus Rutgers hitting some shots and, and Purdue rimming some outs and, that's how that like that's when Rutgers comes back. And comes Craig, back. to your point about the over and back too, I I think there's also something to be said about when it's in the middle of the court and you have that you know the logo in the middle of the court. Doesn't that, don't you feel like that that kind of throws off the ref as far as their line of sight of what's constituting? You know, you don't have the definitive line there when you you know what I'm saying. Does that sound stupid or is that my new meatball take of the day? I mean, I've never refereed a game, so I couldn't tell you. Um, if Isaiah's listening, he could weigh in, although I don't know how many high school courts have monster logos in the middle of the court, I guess. But um, certainly, I, I mean, I think maybe it could, just in, in terms of you don't have the, that definitive color change. But still, to me, it like even the way like Lance was overt and like like his motion to make sure that ball stayed on the other side of the court. Right. So it, it just seemed obvious to me. And a bunch of officiating type accounts that I follow jumped on that right away as a bad call. So it, it just seemed really odd that it was. Yeah, missed. it was a bizarre thing. And Lance definitely seemed confused by the whole thing. So, um, yeah, so there it is. Some of our stats of the game and turnovers, rebounds, three point shooting are certainly of note. Um, I, I'm going to hand this off to you guys the rest of the way. I appreciate, uh, you guys taking it from here. I'm going to continue to, uh, Ravens and Chiefs are tied at seven apiece. Uh, Travis Kelsey and Zay Flowers with a touchdown, each of them. And I got to say, you know, we got 240 live viewers right now. And that's not so bad when we're going up against the NFL. So take that, NFL. Uh, we got our own audience here. And we appreciate everybody tuning in for every post game show that we do. Uh, so please hit that like button while you're hanging out here on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. And uh, we'll be back, you know, uh, Northwestern on Wednesday. I will actually be able to attend Mackey Arena to see a game. I'm excited for it. Northwestern certainly, um, you know, is getting hot right now and looks like they may be make making another tournament bid. 
Uh, so that's going to be a high octane game coming up here on Wednesday. And I'll let those guys preview it here at the end of the show if they'd like, but I'm certainly looking forward to getting Mackie. So I'm going to get out of here. Isaiah Walker's here in the chat saying I am listening. I believe it was an anticipation call because it looked awkward. As far as the logo on the court, it really doesn't affect anything. The line still needs to clearly contract. So we're just focusing on cons- confirming the three points get established in the front court. I think with the crowd, the official just never did it. So there's our ref referee correspondent, Isaiah Walker, hanging out here in the chat, giving us a little more insight to that call. So uh, once again, I appreciate it. Uh, and I appreciate you guys. I'll let you guys handle it the rest of the way as far as highlighting uh, individual players. I know you'll miss me and my, you know, amazing insights and expertise that I bring here, but I think you guys might be able to handle I, And I also almost blame myself for losing because I'm sure some people are noticing that I am wearing red and like Ew. halfway through the second half, I was like, what am I doing? That was a big foul on me too. So I apologize for that. Yeah. That's, that's basically this loss would have been on you is what yeah, we're saying. Well, I don't know, Greg, because yesterday I was looking at my beard and I thought, man, I need to trim that thing up. But mm-hmm. then in my head, I in my head, I immediately said, but I haven't trimmed this at all since Purdue went on the win streak. And I mm-hmm. went ahead and trimmed it anyway. So I think it might have been on both of us. Yeah, I'm waiting to get my beard trimmed. I'm leaving for the Super Bowl to cover the Super Bowl next. My barber's actually here right now. And but I'm waiting to get my beard trimmed up and lined up. So I'm looking nice when I go to Vegas to cover the Super Bowl next week. Uh, so yeah, we both got the, you know, good luck beards going, but eventually we're going to have to get it shaved up. It gets too itchy, but again, I apologize for the scarlet night red and I apologize. I got a jet on some of you guys, but, uh, appreciate everybody tuning in again. Once again, hit the like button for these guys. They're working hard here on the boilers beat and we'll see. I'll see you in Mackie here. Come on Wednesday. So, uh, boiler up, take it away boys. So, well, okay. One thing really quick. My mic keeps like, I don't know what's up. If I have bad audio, just let me know. I think it's good oh, right yeah. now, but yeah, I haven't heard a dip out, but it's, it's been, I don't know. It's the wires like super loose. I don't know. Hey, have you noticed the camera and yeah, the speed? I was going to, I was, was going to no, say something. No, no freezing up. I got that fiber in the house. Finally hooked it's, up. It, it was the first thing I noticed when you logged on. I was like, oh yeah, it just, <laughs> just looks so much better. So, yeah. Um, as we get back to Purdue, our chat is arguing lawyer versus Colvin versus Heidi versus Morton. Nothing new, but we do appreciate we do truly appreciate everybody <laughs> tuning in, commenting, and all that. I'm gonna switch my focus to this guy that's named Zach Eady. And like I don't like I, they kind of hit me today, especially watched watching him go up against Amori. And I know Amori has not had the year that Rutgers has wanted him to have, at least on the offensive end. Defensively, he's been a beast. You just like look at, at Amori compared to him, and it's not fair because obviously Edie's on a different level, but it's like like it's not like Edie shouldn't be able to play 36 minutes and shoot 75% from the from the field and go eight of 13 from the line, which was maybe a bad game from him from the line, and had 12 rebounds and four blocks and not get in foul trouble. Like like it's in like that's insane what he does, and this is just like every day 26, 12, and four. Like, cool. Like, oh, you know, Zach Eady played basketball today. Like, like that's that's not that's not common. Like, that's that I don't know. I know we always joke like we don't talk about Edie enough, and, and just because of how dominant he is, and he does it basically every game. But like, this was supposed to be you know, Rutgers and Cliff, and then they defend per, they defend Edie the best. Maybe, maybe Terrace yeah. Reed. He had a really good individual performance, but like Edie just put up 26 and 12 on really efficient scoring against arguably the best team that can defend Edie in the post. And it did it in 36 minutes while taking an absolute beating the entire game. Like, yeah. And, and, and Cliff's it's gonna crazy. Be the, Cliff will likely be the different defensive player of the year in the big 10. Um, yeah. If Edie's not. So, and, and you know, we highlighted kind of in the key points to the game leading up to it that Cliff had played Zach as good as anybody's played him over the last three years. He still was getting a double-double, 17 and a half points and 11 rebounds, but he's made life difficult on him, and he's not let Zach go off on a game where it's one of those games where Zach just has to carry Purdue. And we basically said that's not going to happen today. Like, Zach's not going to be able to just single-handedly carry this team. Now, Smith stepped up with him today. Yes. But 
on an off game shooting wise from lawyer from Jones, basically everybody outside of Gillis given uh, three or four today yeah. um, and Smith. Zach carried this team and, and did what we didn't think necessarily would be possible playing against cliff um, in this type of situation. I still thought cliff made things really difficult on him in the first half. Thought there was a couple times where Zach forced it when he could have kicked it out to an open Jones or lawyer from three um, or Smith a couple of times there too. And, and just really when he turned baseline and tried to shoot without being able to use the backboard at all or have a straight look over his shoulder at the rim. I, I thought that really flustered Zach in the first half, but then he came out in the second half and maybe you'll talk about this. Maybe I don't know if you'll get your chalkboard out on this or not, but Purdue changed completely where they were getting Zach the ball and how they were getting Zach the ball. And it led to help defense not being able to recover and get there fast enough. And Zach got way more one-on-one -on -one and also where he could drop step and kind of shoot that little bank at the rim as well. Um, so I, I think Painter did a really nice job switching that up um, going into the second half. And then Zach was just dominant and eight and, and went through contact many times. And hey, he gets 2,000 points. I don't know. I was a little bit after you guys first coming on. Did, did you guys talk about that already? Yeah, so, um, you know, Zach eclipses the 2,000-point mark, uh, which very few people have in Purdue history. So uh, just an amazing, amazing stat and feat for somebody. Again, this has been said a 1,000 times, but who was ranked in the high 300s or low 400s coming out of high school. What's that? 400s. 400s. Um, just an amazing, amazing career arc uh for a guy who's played basketball as few years as he has and for as unheralded as, as he was coming into purdue yeah 436 in the country was his ranking in the recruiting class and now he's best player in the country might be one of the best if not the best purdue player of all time um we have to see we have to let this season play out i guess before we really go there but like it's just yeah it's there's there aren't many words and that's what makes it hard i think for me especially talking about him is just like what what can i actually say other than it is just unreal what we're watching he can carry the he can he can carry games and this team in games that like he has no business doing it and and it doesn't matter because even if it's like they're doubling him or whatever he's just going to pick his moments that he's going to pick his spots like you said painter i think did a good job of getting Edie some better looks also to go along with it i also think you know Edie just wears on people too i, I think you saw early in the second half where uh, especially early like it just felt like Rutgers didn't quite have that or maybe not early at some point in that second half Rutgers didn't quite have the tenacity kind of defending him in the post for a couple minutes stretch Edie really gets going with that um it's it's just crazy what he what he does every single game and then even just how it feeds off like right uh Braden I think it's two open threes off of Edie kickouts and obviously Purdue did not shoot nobody shot well today aside from from three aside from Braden and Gillis but a lot of that's from ED too. Like it, and he anchors this defense. He is an absolute rim, uh, rim protector. Like for the first half, when Rutgers scored twenty points, I, I, they took like two shots at the rim. I think the entire half. Um, it, it, and that's just you know they're just scared of ED. Just like sometimes you know teams are scared of Amori because what he can do. ED is one hundred percent the same way in that that asset. Um, do you have Do you have anything else on ED specifically from this game that you want to talk about or, or anything like that? No, I mean, I, I just thought he did a really good job. Uh, I, I thought he was better in the second half, too, and not forcing stuff. I, I thought he kind of got a little frustrated at times in the first mm -hmm. half and forced too much. Um, I thought he adjusted a lot better in the second half, even though guys maybe weren't necessarily hitting from outside, that, that he wasn't forcing it if it wasn't there. Also, it was just there a lot more uh, because, it, again, they just they changed the way they were going about setting him up in the post to start with. So, um yeah, I, I don't have a lot more on Zach other than it's, again, just an amazing, amazing accomplishment. And congratulations to Zach for getting to 2,000 points. Um, something that we won't get to say very often on this show. No, it's it's crazy. So um, I think we do have to go to Braden Smith, obviously, next, who puts up, I don't know, if I read Edie's stat line, right? 26, 12, and 4. Braden Smith mm -hmm. puts up 19 points, 6 rebounds, only 2 assists, um, but 7 to 10 from the field, 3 of 5 from the from the three-point line, two or three from the free throw line. I don't think he was bad defensively uh, for the most part, too. Brain Smith's been in, an, in a slump shooting the ball, and, and everybody's kind of known that, and it's like, oh, is this just like last year and, and where he's going to slump and fall off? I know you put out some stats kind of showing like, hey, this isn't quite the same either. 
um, as last year in terms of Purdue shooting the ball. But this was a game that Brainsmith needed. I'm, I'm looking up his previous games. You know, last game he gets back on track a little bit, uh, 11 points on perfect shooting. But then it was before it was nine, five, and six. Uh, did not shoot well at all over that stretch. 19 points. Purdue needed needed him, and he came out so strong too, and really just set that tone. I think yeah. of like, no, I'm I'm good. I'm here. I'm back. Um, you know, knocks down what he knocked down an early three, and I think an early pull up. You saw him get to the rim a couple times too, which has been a yeah. big thing where he's just not been able to lately. He got back to the rim, played 38 minutes, and, and looked good pretty much the whole game, in my opinion. A couple, like one or two, just he had that one turnover on the sideline where it's just like, just I don't know what happened there where he just like dribbled it off his foot. Um, I don't remember his other turnover. Oh no, it was that super bad pass where he, he skipped past across the court. Um, so obviously not like completely perfect but a very good brain game in my opinion yeah no i i there's not much to pick apart from Braden in terms of the way he played the game um like i said i i was you know it was great to see that elbow jumper and those threes going down a little bit today uh but i was really impressed with ruggers is not an easy team to go to the rim on and uh there were several different times where they were able to kind of seal Braden was able to get in front of a couple guys who are trailing and then they're chasing and and man uh each of those times I kind of thought they're going to get them. They're going to get them. And Braden just sneaks it up there just in time to go ahead and score. One of those was real late in the game uh, where he attacked right away. Like he knew he was attacking as soon as that high ball screen was set, um, got all the way to the rim and scored. Uh, Might've been right after that Lance Jones turnover in the previous series. I don't remember for sure, but it, it was late and it was really, really important. Um, and, and there was another play in there uh, in the second half where, Smith is out at the three-point line, and Lawyer's trying to come over, and Smith just waves him away because mm -hmm. he saw where everybody was set up down low, and he knew he was going to an ED lob the entire way. Like, five yeah. seconds before yeah. that play actually materializes, he knows that's where he's going and just drives hard to the basket as hard as he can and never really reads again to see whether Zach's open or not. He knew he was going to be open the entire time just based on where the defenders were set up in the first place and then just casually tosses that lob up, right? Yep. Um, and it's just things like that that you have to love in terms of the way he can control and manipulate a game. I thought Rutgers did a really, really good job of making sure that they didn't. Now with Jones, Jones had plenty of open shots and they just didn't <laughs> go down. Uh, but Rutgers shut lawyer down. Like they just didn't let him get open looks today. Um, yeah. I've seen a few things in the comments about, we didn't get lawyer the ball. And I didn't think we got lawyer the ball because it wasn't there. Um, and they were super physical with lawyer when he did get the ball. So when he tried to come off, uh, that curl and, and kind of dribble down in the lane and shoot that little mid range, or sometimes he gets a little closer to the rim and kind of flips it up and tries to draw contact and hope the ball goes in. Um, I thought they were really physical with him. I thought that bothered him on that standpoint. And then they just didn't give him many open looks from three. Um, there was maybe a time or two. I thought Zach could have kicked it to him uh, off of a double. Um, but the thing, the thing with Rutgers defense and you see it when you see it in real time is they recover so fast. It can look like a guy's a little open when, it, when brain or somebody like that's driving to the rim, or you look like it, you see it across court. Um, but a few times, like when Brain tried to skip that ball, Rutgers just recovers so, so fast uh, to shooters that that's not really, to me, it, it's not open. <laughs> like like some people thought it was open. Well, and the other thing with it, too, because there's been comments of like they aren't passing. Smith isn't passing to Lawyer and Jones on purpose. Like that's that's insane to say that. Um, if, if somebody's open, Smith's going to find you. I promise you. Now, maybe... Maybe lawyers open and Edie also has good positioning. And so, yes, he passes up on lawyer because of Edie or whatever. But the other thing with it, too, is, is this where it comes into, I think, a big reason why Brain probably only had two assists as well is Rutgers. They aren't as big as last year, but like they're starting what they're starting five today. They have, you know, six, uh, six, three, six, four, six, 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 seven, six, eleven off the bench. They have six, eight, six, nine, six, eight like and six two, like they just have a bunch of long and tall dudes that make it, I think can make it tough for Smith to see some of the passing angles as well. So now, you know, when he's going up against a six foot two point guard and the guy on lawyer Jones is six, three, you know, there's enough space that he can, he knows how to operate in the paints and just knows where he needs to be to find angles. I think Rutgers can just take all that away. They're a unique team in the ability that they can help while, like you said, also not, 
like they're helping, but it's not like helping because they can just get back really quick too. Um, and, I, and I think it makes it tougher on that. You saw Purdue run some stuff with like the the roll and replace type action or, or where you just have your shooter come from the corner to the top. Um, and they got some looks off of it. They're also missing. And, and I think Smith understands too, especially down the stretch. He's like, hey, this ball probably needs to be in mine or, or Edie's hands unless it's a wide open shot or cut. So he, I think he also wasn't trying to force because – when we go back to the Northwestern game from earlier this year, we said, Hey, Brayden, why are you forcing down the stretch? Like, why are you, you know, you're forcing stuff that doesn't need to happen. I don't think Brayden did that today. And it's, you know, Rutgers is a better defense than Northwestern. Uh, a little bit different spot than Rutgers was very much behind trying to come back. But uh, I think there's just a lot of stuff like that too, that it just Rutgers is a good defense in their ability to have length. That makes it tougher for Smith. I think to find some of those angles in that, that he has. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, I, I don't have any issues. With, I mean, obviously, Braden shot really well, thought he controlled the game flow again. Uh, where he gets in trouble is when he does force and, yeah. and just didn't necessarily think he did that. So um, let's do our ad read. Go for it. OK. Purdue graduate and Lafayette resident since 1999, Michelle Rainey has 10 years of full-time experience working with buyers, sellers, and real estate investors in greater Lafayette and many surrounding areas. If you need to buy, sell, invest, or even relocate, call Michelle to schedule an appointment to see how she can help you accomplish the real estate goals you have. Your home or creating an investment portfolio will likely be the most expensive transactions of your life. Have the experts with Rainey and Company at Keller Williams on your side and let Michelle navigate this process to make it easy. Call or text 765-532-3415. Again, if you have real estate needs in the Lafayette area, call or text Michelle Rainey at 765-532-3415. And we appreciate Michelle and her partner BJ both for uh, sponsoring the show. Um, as several of the shows that we've had throughout the year, great people and great what they do with real estate. Yep. So yeah, definitely appreciate them uh, sponsoring us, help us out here. Lance is probably the next player. I, I think we have to go to four points, 10, just a, a crazy stat line, four points on one of 10 shooting of six from three, 10 rebounds, eight assists, five steals. Uh, I think there's, there's, um, I think the way you view Lance Jones in this game tells me a lot about what you view people need to do to be productive. I'm not going to say this was, this was not Lance Jones best game. Obviously he was one for 10 and he missed open shots. Like he, I don't know. Like he wasn't good on that end for the most part, but if people are going to only look at that and be like, Oh wow, Lance Jones played terrible today. Like I, I think you're just ignoring 70% of the game. They're like there's a lot more than just purely scoring 10 rebounds, eight assists. The ball was just moving with him and then five steals. And how many of those were just in the backcourt too, where you just, it just, I feel like we didn't on the TV. We probably didn't even see two of them. It was kind of just like, they cut back. They're like, <laughs> Oh, Lance Jones has the ball. Um, like, yeah, just, he, this was the perfect, this, this might, this actually might be the epitome of the Lance Jones experience. You get this just terrible shooting, but at the same time, you can't take him off the floor because he's, for the most part, was playing pretty good defense and he was just doing everything else right. And so it's like, yes, the offense, absolutely not there, but literally everything else. And then when you get, you know, Smith and Edie doing their thing, that's all you need. You need all the little things to happen. And Jones 100% did those. So it's, it's, it, it's just, it's going to be, it's an interesting uh, study case on, on how people view his game, I think, today. Yeah, and I posted this to Twitter during the game, but you hear coaches all the time and you hear Matt Painter say it, like, don't let your scoring affect your game um, because there's a lot else that you can do to help a team win a game. And uh, the broadcasters, for whatever of you thought of them today, you know, said something about this. This is one of the reasons that Purdue's not going to lose a first-round game in March. And, and I think to me there's a couple things there. One, what Painter's saying when he's saying don't let scoring affect the rest of your game is exactly what Lance did. Like, Lance shot terrible today. There's no way we win this game without Lance Jones today, right? Um, almost gets a double-double on point on rebounds and assists on a game where our four spot gave us a total of three rebounds the entire game. And yes, beyond that, the, the five steals, I think out of that he scores on a layup. He gets first an assist, who scores. He gets fouled on another one, hits two free throws. 
And it's it's not a huge chunk of points that he got off of those steals because there was a couple that got missed that he took. Um, but, you know, you just need small things in, in close games like this. And just those little things that he provided. He's recorded with five steals, but really there's six that are attributed to him because he, he pokes the ball away and Lawyer actually recovers it and gets the steal uh, recorded under his name on the other one. Um, but really just an absolutely amazing stat line and a testament of how can I help a team win if I'm not shooting the ball well today? And, and I would love to hear Painter's press conference on this because I, I think he'll say a lot of those things. And I don't know, even though he shot the ball bad today, I, I really just that one three where he like yeah, kind of sidestepped and drew the defender in outside of that, I thought everything was pretty much in rhythm and in the flow of the offense and Guys are going to be a little bit closer to you when we play Rutgers because, like we said, they recover so stinking fast to it that that window that you're open is smaller than what you're used to maybe than playing some other teams. Top 15 defense in the country. That stuff's going to happen. I thought it was – this is a really little thing, right? But the dude is 1 of 10 on the game, 0 of 6 from 3, and hasn't hit a shot other than a layup all day. He goes to the line, what, like in the last minute, minute and a half? I could pull up the exact while you keep talking. It, it doesn't matter. He goes to the line sometime right down there in the stretch, and I thought, man, there's no way he's hitting these because he hasn't hit a shot all game other other than a point-blank layup. And in my head, I thought, oh, oh no. <laughs> this this is like – and he just walks up and just calmly knocks them both down. And that's a really yep. little thing, but those two points mattered a whole hell of a lot right there. Yeah, no, 100%. That's that's who Lance Jones is. Is I'm pretty confident that no matter what he's doing on offense, he's going to give you for the most part good stuff defensively and then you're just he's shown that he's shown that he can abrupt for 20 points. He's also shown that he can have these types of games. He's shooting 34% from 3 in the year, 53% from 2. Like if you told me those were his numbers coming into the season on decent pretty good volume, I would take it 100% of the time and he's doing it right now. So obviously it's like I want to make it clear we are not saying he was good like it is not a good thing that he missed these shots I, I, i'm hoping nobody takes it that way but he was good in every other facet and that is a big part of this game it really really is especially especially when there are not many guys if any on purdue that can give what lance jones can give everywhere else on the floor like maybe borden but he, he wasn't i don't that second half he wasn't that good defensively and well, I guess that transitions. Do we do we talk about the wing room or the four spot? Oh, I'll let you pick. Um, Neither of them are going to be let's, fun. <laughs> yeah, let's go to the four spot. So we can kind of just let's let's kind of group them together. Um, and obviously, we'll talk about each individually within that, though. But TKR, no points, two boards, two fouls, three turnovers, two blocks in 19 minutes. Gillis, eight points, two or three from three, three, four overall. Only one rebounds, three turnovers, and a steal in 19 minutes. First two points in two minutes of play. So basically, TKR and Gillis. Gillis had that back-to-back -back jumpers, um, which did help calm down Purdue, I think, in that second half. Comes in, hits a three, hits a you know fifteen footer right after or whatever. That was big. It was just this was this felt like the first game at least in a while where both TKR and Gillis just did not have the energy. Um, it, they combined for three rebounds. That can't happen. Even if Jones grabs ten, like and maybe Jones takes a couple, right? Then say he takes two. That still puts the four spot at five. Like that, Purdue needs more out of the four spot, one hundred percent, and it's a. Good thing that they were able just to get out, get a get a win out of this, even with the four spot playing this this poorly, because that's usually a strong suit. Is you're going to get at least one of TKR and Gillis playing really, really well, and Painter can kind of go to whoever he needs to down the stretch. Painter was searching today. He went to Heidi for a couple minutes at the four in the second half. He was just kind of searching, um, you, you know, especially right after Gillis got beat on that. Uh, it wasn't backdoor, but it was like a weak side drive. Um, it it was know. just Where him not paying attention. This? Like they, they swung the ball and Gillis was like, oh, shoot, you know, <laughs> he was just too slow to, to to recognize what was going on. And he was out of position to start with and couldn't recover to it. And I, I thought they were the tale of opposites today, um, other than the fact that neither could rebound and both wanted to turn the ball over. So but combined, they had three more turnovers than they had rebounds in this game. And that's never a stat that you want to see. Um, I did think TKR gave real good minutes defensively. Uh, there's just a few that I can point out off the top of my head. 
Uh, Mag tries to drive on him, and he cuts over and slides laterally, shuts him down. Mag's a lot smaller, leaner, quicker guy, and I thought he really played good defense on that. That was in the first half. He forces him into an 18-foot fadeaway. We're continuing to see TKR be a little bit better in space. And the other place we're seeing him be better is coming on help side. Um, D, he comes over again and gets a block where the guy thinks he's got a clean look. And he comes kind of around a bit to the side of him and blocks him kind of from behind. Uh, we've seen him do that three times now in the last two games on that specific type of block um, where he's playing help D. Um, so I, I thought TKR actually gave pretty good minutes while he was out there defensively, especially in the first half. On the flip side of that, Gillis comes in in the first half and, and gives you two threes, and he gives you a little mid-range pull-up at the free-throw line. Um, so he gave a short little offensive burst there, too. Now, he was non-existent offensively in the second half, um, and, and we just didn't get rebounding. Um, I, you know, my brother texted me during that second half and said, man, they just did not match the intensity that Rutgers came out with in that second half. And, and rebounding a lot of times is an intensity thing. And are you going to match with the same focus and intensity that the other team does? And, and it just didn't seem like we did in that regard. And, and especially probably from the four spot when you're looking at how they were, how they were rebounding in that, that manner. Yeah. And that's rare. Like that's, I don't think we, especially Mason Gillis, like when, when you talk about Gillis, you're basically going to say every game, no matter what he can, he's going to bring energy whether the shots fall, whether it ends up in actual rebounds or whatever, he's going to bring energy, just an off game for him. And it happens. Um, it happens to everybody. It's just, I think it's unfortunate that it happened with, with TKR kind of being non-existent offensively. Gill's not really being there as much in the second half. Um, they happened in the same game and that hasn't happened yet. Also just, you know, I um, the physicality was there. Yeah. Like you said, they didn't quite match it. Like Gill's got a couple good looks and he makes them. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else I really have to say. Like, like you said, TKR, I think, was decent defensively for a bit. Um, and that's why, you know, we can pull up the rotation here real quick. Uh, first half, TKR plays five minutes of the four. And then the second half, he plays 10. Um, Gales, Gills plays eight minutes in the second half. Camden Heidi plays two at the four spot. Painter was just searching in that area, trying to figure out what he wanted. And, and ultimately, he does close with Gillis. And I think that's who you had to go to just with just with the threat of spacing because um, I think that that gets lost in talk by people sometimes of like it's – they want to make shooting very much black and white of, oh, he missed shots. He's bad. It, it, yes, he missed – like they, if somebody isn't hitting shots, um, it isn't – that's not good. But – the shooting ability, just their ability that Rutgers had to worry about Gillis on the perimeter gives Edie just, even if it's another step for Edie of space, like that's that's crucial for him to get some glicks down low. Um, and I think that's why you close Gillis in this spot, especially, and with just matching up, he's a little more mobile, can match up with with Mag and Hyatt a little bit better. Now, if they if Rutgers win Amori and Wolfolk, which I don't believe they did, unless I'm completely mistaken, then maybe you go TKR to kind of match the two bigs. Um, I don't have much else other than it was just it, it was not good energy from both of them, and that hasn't happened too often this year in the same game. Yeah, I it's it's been rare that that you kind of have an off game from both of them, and I don't think we'll see it happen a lot necessarily. Um, hopefully, um, throughout the year, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know that we really ran much for Mason. Um, you know, two in of those the first plays half. In the first, in the right. first half, that's what I'm saying. In the first half, two of those plays were were actions specifically to try to get him looks, and I don't know that I really feel like that happened in the second half at all with him, um, unless they just shut it down. But I, you know, it's obviously a performance that you're hoping that you don't get again. Again, the fact that Purdue can pull out a game like this where they get a performance from the four spot like that, I, I think in some ways you have to look at as a long-term positive um, that they can figure out ways to win, especially on the road, right? And tournament games are neutral, not on the road, that they can find other ways to win and, and manufacture points and manufacture rebounds. Because uh, even though we do get out rebounding, that margin shortened up a whole bunch. And in that regard, it was definitely Lance picking up the slack that that they were dropping off in. Yep. Um, let's go to the – or. Is, is there anything else for the four man you want to go to or anything like that? I know we have the wings left. Um, 
Yeah, right, we can go to the wings. All right. Um, so this this is the the hot topic as with every game because I don't know. Lawyer seven points, one of four shooting, one assist, one steal, one turnover. Uh, Jones, we already talked about. I'll leave him out of this. Heidi zero points in seven minutes, oh one from three. Morton two minutes, uh, two points or not two minutes, two points, two fouls, a steal in twelve minutes. Um, great. Um, it was it wasn't a good game from any of them. It really wasn't. And this was a game that I think when you go back to the stats, Smith and Edie had to do their thing and they 100% did. And that is a big reason why that Purdue was able to win. But at the same time, you need at least one of them to step up, right? You need at least one of them to step up, do something. Um, Lawyer knocks down some clutch free throws down the end. Lawyer got caught on Rutgers, I mean, it was Lawyer and Morton both, though, in that second half. They were just – they like Griffiths get free on those kind of pin-downs actions a few times. Um, I thought Lawyer was a step late on a good bit defensively. But at the same time, like, I, something's going on with Heidi. He's not really trusting him right now. Morton wasn't great defensively, I think, in the second half. So then you just kind of left with Lawyer. Obviously, there's Colvin on the bench. And um, let's talk – well, let's save the Colvin talk maybe for after this. But uh, – just not a good like not a good game. They didn't hit their shots. I don't think they were any of them were really great defensively. And when that happens, you're kind of just stuck with your you're hoping that lawyer can you know hit some free throws, maybe knock down a shot. And I assume that's why Painter goes with lawyer down the stretch, or at least on the offensive end. Obviously, he did go offense defense a bit with Morton in there as well. Yeah, I I, I think for sure that the the fact that Lance was off from outside today just kind of force painter's hand to try to leave lawyer in there in there more, even though he wasn't necessarily getting a lot of looks today. Um, but that if he did, I think he takes two attempts in the second half from three and misses them both. But you know, you're hoping that lawyer at some point in there can provide some outside shooting because Lance isn't doing it today. Um, but defensively again, uh, like you said, um, thought clearly an issue there just being behind being late. Um, I have no idea how we let Griffiths get off on out of bounds plays that many times in a row. Like everybody and everybody in the entire building knows that's coming. And he just kept doing it over and over. The one, the one baseline when it was a lawyer, I'll, I'll have to go back and watch exactly what happened, but you saw lawyer, like we saw lawyer ahead of time, say something to somebody on Purdue. And it was like, they knew it was coming and you see the screen happening and you as you see lawyer he was pissed like he he yelled he yelled okay. at somebody like and so i don't know if that is just more frustration that he didn't get around or if it was like a hey you are supposed to be here at this moment right now and you weren't um i would have to go back and actually watch that to to give exactly what they want but or what they wanted to do there uh, there was just miscommunications it was just like they just weren't quite connected it, it really felt like it at times it just wasn't connected um, what Griffiths had, yeah, Griffiths went, Griffiths had eight points on three and nine shooting in the second half. Um, it felt like way better shooting high. It goes yeah. for 13. He has, um, I mean, he's more of the four spot, but, uh, he has 13 in the second half. He knocks down some shots. They go four of eight from three in the second half, 15 to 30 overall. Um, yeah, just, it's a tough spot when you're not getting the offensive production from lawyer because you're hoping that's, you know, why he's, he's in. But at the same time, I understand like lawyers knows the system the best out of uh, specifically Heidi and Colvin. He's going to be in the right, right spot a lot of the time. And there's also just like I said before, and we kind of mentioned it earlier of lawyer just gets respected as a shooter. And that just creates so much more spacing. Um, and Colvin might get that, too. I don't know if it, teams probably would. I don't know. I like he wasn't good. He, but at the same time, I understand why he's in because of although he's another guy that maybe he's not in the Jones level of doing the little things, but he does a lot of the little things as well, or at least has more opportunity to do them, even when he isn't playing well. Yeah. And he gets fouled on that three point play and knocks all three of those down. And you certainly yep. trust him in that situation, uh, more so than a uh, Morton Heidi or Colvin. Um, in terms of just having been in those moments more than than two of those guys, and then obviously just being a better shooter all the way around than than what Morton is. So I, I get specifically today why you leave Lawyer in. Uh, I just think a lot of it is like you're you're trying to find outside shooting and have a guy who's in the right place defensively in, in terms of knowing where they're supposed to be defensively and offensively all times on the court. 
you know, Heidi has the one, um, the one three point shot attempt and kind of hits, I don't know if it hit the side of the backboard. It it was, it was way off. It was, yeah. Uh, the the worst the worst attempt I've seen him take this year because um, he's been good right and I still think he's shooting well over forty percent on the year, but that's maybe just a moment like the rack is or I guess we have to call it Jersey Mike's now but the rack is one of the most intimidating places to play in the Big Ten and we've struggled mightily there and you have all of those demons and you're trying to exercise those demons and having a freshman in there in that moment, trying to knock down a big shot like that, it can get him rattled. And I think you saw him take that shot a little bit rattled right there. So I think just wanting to have experience um, on the floor and having guys that he feels like aren't going to make mistakes. Now experience can still make mistakes, right? We saw that with Braden and Gillis um, where defensively they, they lose. I think it was Hyatt cut into the rim. um, and, And you just saw, Somebody was supposed to go with them, and, and, and nobody did, right? So experience can make mistakes too, but it's going to happen at a higher level, obviously, when you have more inexperienced players out there. And I, this is not a game for Colton, right? Because as much as Rutgers pressures the ball, you know, right now you you trust Jones and you trust Smith at an extremely high level as ball handlers in traffic. You trust Lawyer with a fair amount of confidence that he can, he can handle the ball for a little bit of time um, and not force turnovers or not, not create turnovers. Um, You're not trusting Heidi in that spot for ball handling. um, And you're not trusting Colvin yet at that spot and just not having been in that environment. We've seen Colvin make a couple of wild passes against the press and and minutes that he's been in against it. Um, So this isn't the game for them. Could we have used Colvin shooting from the outside today? We could have. Um, but Rutgers thrown three different types of press coverage out there um, against Purdue and already creating the amount of turnovers that they were. I, I just don't think that's the spot for Colvin to be injected into a game for extra minutes. No, no, not, not at all. Like this is, this to me felt like, it, it felt like you had to just ride lawyer and you just hope that something good happened. Um for me, the Colvin spot is if this was like reversed, if Purdue was the one that was down eight and just couldn't get anything going, then you throw Colvin in. Like people are saying that, like, why don't you just throw Colvin in to see if he'll hit a jumper? He hasn't hit a jump. I know the, obviously he hasn't played as a ton of minutes. He hasn't hit a jumper on a true road game on the season. Like we're just, I think there's an assumption that he will make shots and he is that good of a shooter that, yeah, he maybe deserves that respect. Um, I don't think the ball, like, Lawyer's not like an insane ball handler, but I know that at some point he can get, you know, I trust him more, like Craig said, than Heidi, than Colvin to take a couple dribbles, get the ball across half court, court, let the offense set up. Um, And that's part of just why I think Painter runs with him more too. Um, Yeah, the Heidi thing, Heidi's the one that's a little bit concerning. I think you go back through his past few games and his start to fall off a little bit. Maybe hopefully it's just a little bit of a slump and that's very, very possible. Um, has, you know, in the past four games, nine minutes against nine minutes against IU eight against Iowa, 13 against Michigan, seven against Rutgers, uh, four points in that span, one of five from two and oh, of three from three. Hopefully he can kind of turn things around because he had a very, very good stretch before a stretch that I was like, Hey, Heidi is to me is the seventh man on this team. That's kind of shifted back to Morton. Um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought, but, um, you know, hopefully Heidi can get back and get back to what he was because, like I said, I, I think he could, I think he could very much be the seventh or eighth man. Morton is uh, is much better defensively at this moment, especially I think on ball. But Heidi is that guy. Heidi is the mix of he can knock down a, a perimeter shot, he can get to the rim, and he can guard bigger people. Like he can guard bigger wings, which the starting lineup does lack, obviously with Lawyer being at the three, um, but. Need need him to turn around. Lawyers just gonna have these are gonna be a couple games like this. I think we've already hit on plenty of Rutgers did a pretty good job just not giving him easy looks. And then the couple easy looks he did get, he missed. And that happens. Um, but yeah, I for I don't want to talk about Colvin a lot more because I what like this just doesn't feel like the game to me at all. I and I just I hate that I'm sounding I know like I sound like a Colvin hater, and I I understand that that's probably how I come across. It's not my intention. I think he's going to be an insanely good player. I just think right now, like your hope, like if people's reasoning for putting him in was hopefully he hits a couple jumpers, 
And if that's your reasoning, then I just don't see it because I don't trust him defensively more than lawyer. I don't trust him handling the ball more than lawyer right now. Um, for me, a good Col like a legitimate Colvin spot is when it's like it's tied or you're down a few and just lawyer plus Heidi just look absolutely lost. Now Colvin can come in, maybe provide a spark. Um, and he's going to get his moments. He's, he's going to get his moments. I still, we still both believe that. I think this year he has something, but, um, and, and like, I think this game just wasn't it, it. Yeah. David brings up a really good point too. Um, with the amount of pre pressure that Rutgers puts on ball handlers, um, they were making entry passes fairly difficult. Now Purdue switched things up in the second half and that became a lot easier, but nonetheless, they're going to pressure the ball pretty well, make it difficult to throw that entry pass in. And <clears throat> when, Essentially, your offense for 15 minutes of that second half was get the ball to Zach. You want people that you trust to do that effectively without creating turnovers. So I, I think he wants experienced guys out there on the wing to feed that ball into Zach as well. So that's a really good point from David. And look, I you're welcome to have your opinion. Like yeah. Joe and I aren't on here saying like, no, you're wrong. Like if you think this is a moment where Colvin needed to be thrown in to see if he could spark some offense and get some threes, like I. I can understand that to a degree. And if you ask me right now to bet on who the starting lineup is next year, I think Miles Colvin's in the starting lineup next year for what this team's going to need from an offensive standpoint, how we're going to look differently offensively than this year. I believe in Colvin a ton. I think yep. he's going to be an all big 10 player before he leaves Purdue. I think he's going to get drafted into the NBA. I just don't think that this particular game against a high pressure defense that creates a lot of turnovers when we already have 15 and we're facing a press is the right spot to put them in. If you disagree with me, if you disagree with Joe, that's fine. I think a lot of this conversation, I wish Braggs was here right now because I think this is the backup NFL quarterback conversation of like everybody wants the backup when the quarterback's struggling because they, they love what they have, what they haven't seen yet. Right. He hasn't shown that he's worse uh, in that situation. So you want the backup quarterback in and nine times out of 10, unless it was Aiden O'Connell for the Raiders, there was a reason the backup was the backup. Yep. 100%. And like I said, I, I Craig hit it and I hit it, hit on it. It's like, we think Colvin's going to be very good. Um, just, this didn't, just didn't feel like the spot to us in, in a game where, especially like if he comes in, say he comes in and he misses a three and, and isn't playing great defense, that could be a quick, you know, produce up five to a tied game or something like that. Um, all this is also happening in a Purdue win, in a Purdue eight point road victory at Rutgers, a team I don't think they've won on the, I don't think they've won at the rack since like 20, somebody had it. And I thought we 2017 18. Yeah. 20, we have not, Purdue has not won at the rack since 2017 18. Eight point win with all these players not playing well. Like I, I know, you know, I, I know I'm naturally not optimistic, but like, that's still a pretty good sign that like, Hey, you had seven of nine rotation players, six out of nine rotation players struggle for the most part. And they still won by eight and trailed for 17 seconds or something like that. This entire game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's impressive. I don't care what Rutgers is this year. I'm just happy. We went to the rack and got a win, man. Um, and, and got that monkey off our back. There's been multiple demons that have been exercised this year, right? Um, and exorcised. I've seen several people spell that exercise for some reason. Um, but you know, we 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 kind of exercise the demons of of the ball, right? And uh, well, Purdue can't shoot with these different types of balls. Well, they've shot fine for the most part with those different types of balls. And Purdue can't win unless they shoot the ball well from three. Well, we've won without shooting the ball well from three. Uh, we've won in Indy where we've struggled at different times. We looked good in Indy. Um, and this is another one of those that, that we had to mark off the, the list. We had to check off the box. We had to go to the rack. We had to win. Uh, these seniors had never done it. So I love it. I don't care. I love it. I'm going to feel good about this win. I'm going to celebrate it as I watch the uh, NFL games. I don't even know who's on because I don't pay attention to the NFL, but I'm, I'm going to start watching because we're down to the final three games. I had to ask Greg who was in the playoffs today. There you go. Yep, football going on right now. Um, I don't think – do you have anything else for this game? Um, no, I really don't. We, we won at the rack. Yeah. I'm sure there's um, a couple of we, – we do have some Rutgers followers. We may have a couple of Rutgers people in here. If not, I know they follow us on Twitter, so – 
we respect the hell. I know I do. I won't speak for mm-hmm. Joe. I respect the hell no, out of Pykele, and I respect the hell out of your guys' basketball program and the way you guys play. Um, gave us a big fight today um, that we did not expect, so kudos to you. Yep. Um, I think that'll do it for us then. I don't have anything else. Purdue plays next Wednesday, home against Northwestern, 630 game, uh, a game that obviously they've already lost to Northwestern this year. We will see. I, I I feel pretty good about the game personally, but you know, Northwestern, it's the Big Ten. Anything can happen. Being at home is going to help a lot too, though. Um, did you was that a you have something to say on Northwestern or was that just a you were breathing? Oh, I mean, just don't let Langborg and Barry get going. There you go. You know, yeah, no, let Boo Booey so, get 40 if he gets 40. Just don't let Langborg and Barry get going. Yeah, so we'll be back Wednesday, like I said, 6.30 Eastern Time tip on the Big Ten Network. Matt, Purdue will be home at Mackey against Northwestern. We'll be live after the show, all three of us at Mackey Arena, it sounds like. Uh, we do appreciate everybody tuning in, you know, a couple hundred people in here live during NFL playoffs. Please hit the like button on the way out. If you are not subscribed, hit that on the way out. And follow us on Twitter at Boilers in Stands just for, for live in-game updates, some, some different tweets throughout the week and stuff like that. You can follow Craig on Twitter at CraigBowers34, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeJacksonCBB. We will be back Wednesday night post-Northwestern. Once again, appreciate everybody tuning in. And as always, Boiler Up. <clears throat>